Hi, my name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor Podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Episode 123, PTSD Self-Healing Show. Trauma as Medicine with Sarah Salter Kelly, writer, healer, and speaker. Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition Channel and order my book, Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams. A journey to self-discovery and self-healing. That's the topic of PTSD self-healing show all the time. Mm-hmm. And today we have Sarah Salter Kelly. She's author, healer, and speaker. And we're going to talk about trauma as medicine. I don't know how trauma can work as medicine. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to discuss about it. We will but talk about it. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to my show, Sarah. Thank you, Pantia. Thank you for having me here. I'm really honored to be speaking with you today and being a part of this self-healing broadcast that you do. What a great thing for people suffering through PTSD. Yeah, thank you so much. So tell me about yourself first, uh, what you're doing exactly with your healing journey and did you already have you already experienced some healing uh, for yourself and uh, tell me about your background what you do yes absolutely pentia so what i'm excited about is the birthing of this book trauma as medicine and it's based on my personal experience of my mother's homicide So in 1995, my mother, Sheila Salter, was murdered by a stranger in the parking garage of her work. She was missing for 10 days and her body had been um, taken to an abandoned farmhouse and left inside of there in the Christmas season. And so my family went through the experience of navigating this most unspeakable trauma of losing somebody not only suddenly but losing somebody in a violent way and losing somebody to something such as homicide the person who had killed her turned himself in and though he pled not guilty he was found guilty of murder one in uh beginning of april of 1997 and he was sentenced to 25 years in jail Shortly thereafter, he committed suicide in prison or suicided. And so there I was sitting with these two very unnecessary deaths in my mind's eye and being with this most devastating tragedy of losing my mother. I was 20 years old in such a horrendous way and contemplating how how do you be with such an unspeakable loss. I already was quite skilled at personal growth workshops and seminars, having uh, my mother was a life coach. And so I had been exposed to personal growth um, 
uh, you know, conversations and knowledge from a very young age. And I also had a very devout spiritual path and earth-based traditions. So I very much felt like everything happens for a reason and that there was a greater purpose in all that had shown up, even the hard things. And so when my mother was murdered, I was sitting there with this whole set of beliefs that had given me such a sense of um, meaning in my life and this very devastating experience that seemed to contradict those beliefs. So part of my healing journey became this act of how do I, how do I bring these together? Do I bring these together? Do they even fit? And what does it all mean? And so that, that I would say would bridge the first 10 years in the aftermath of her loss. You know, I did a lot of my own healing work. I studied energy healing as well. I became a mother. I married my um, partner who had been my, my boyfriend when mom had passed. And a lot of my focus was going inwards and recognizing that when this energy of my grief or trauma came up, I had to create a process for myself to allow it to move through me. And most of that occurred by taking time outside in nature, be that um, walking in the mud along the river, um, singing out loud, doing you know literal prayers out loud and asking for help and asking for guidance from, from source. And so that cultivated a, a very deep listening so that through that process, I came to recognize um, that I had triggers that I needed to address. One of my greatest values in life is freedom. And so the idea that there is something that is holding me back from living with freedom makes me so crazy inside that I will do whatever it takes to address it. So I could feel these different fears that crept up because of my mother's homicide. I mean, she was attacked by a stranger in a parking garage. This is every woman's greatest fear to be attacked in the dark. And with no reason, right? And no reason at all. No, he was a complete stranger. Um, and, and so how to you know, how to face this fear became of even walking at night, um, being somewhere that was unfamiliar, going into parking garages. <clears throat> and so in sitting with that deep sense of, um, of fear, to me, it felt more important to address the fear than to be worried about what would happen if I didn't. And so I made myself go into the parking garage of where she had been murdered on more than one occasion. I made myself face and map out the scenarios of how she died. And she was brutally raped um, and attacked. And you know her body was tossed into the back of her car. All of these pieces of evidence came up at the, the trial. And, and they became, became important for me to find the courage inside of myself to address them rather than feel the energy of not addressing it. And so I viewed it very much from an energetic standpoint, even if I didn't have those words then, Pantia, because I was still, you know, I was figuring out what to do and any of the, um, you know, more common practices for addressing grief or trauma just didn't feel like a fit for me. 
there wasn't I didn't have internet then I know it's hard for people to even imagine that um, but you know there wasn't there was an internet there was some resources in the library however there really wasn't a lot on what do you do when you lose your mother to homicide and how do you how do you process the violence that shows up in your own body you know uh, Sarah, before we go further I totally fo follow you I didn't uh, have the same experience but somebody was going to kill me and threaten me with knife point and uh, that's why I uh, I had a really bad back injury she robbed he robbed my car and I was really bad injured hmm. I totally follow you when you say you didn't want to go to a parking lot in the beginning yeah it, for me was terrible because every time I just felt that somebody's following me, somebody's gonna kill yeah. me. So even yeah. if and because these thoughts with uh, were with me all the time, mm -hmm. even if I went to somewhere else, again, uh, some other people attacked me. <laughs> they robbed my wallet. Oh, was my not, that was that was not very uh dangerous as the first one but again then i realized by the time as you said you're not processed this ptsd inside you that's going to happen for you over and over again mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you're prone to this violence yeah and you experience it you visualize it in yourself so what you expect is getting the violence again so yeah <laughs> that's yeah, and, and uh, thank you for sharing that, Santia. Um, what became evident to me through the years was, was that I could, I could slow my breath down and I could slow my mind down enough to be present with what was triggering me. So even if I was, even if it wasn't a parkade, but even a parking lot, let's say, and I'm pushing groceries and it's snowy and I'm way in the back of the lot and there's people walking around that don't feel safe because I've had people approach me before. So even then I would feel myself start to go into panic and all that energy rising up inside of my throat and my mind starts thinking about what could happen. I take a deep breath and, and I'd plan my escape route just in case. Okay, if I have to, I'll ditch my groceries and I'll go this way. But chances are, Sarah, that's not gonna happen right now. And so you have your plan just in case you need it. And let's take a few deep breaths into your whole body. Let's even feel my whole body, feel your back, feel your, your legs, your bottom, your front, and be where you are right now. And just breath by breath, get to the car, breath by breath, unload the groceries, go into the car. If I need to lock the door, you know, I used to judge myself if I wanted to lock the door. I wasn't being brave enough. <laughs> and so and so all of those little pieces are micro tools of how we can uh, address a macro issue, right? Recognizing how our brain starts to take us down that trajectory because as you know, you can get attacked by a violent offender. Having lost my mom, I know bad guys can kill people you love. I also have been mugged myself. When I was about 16, I was mugged walking home from work one night and my intuition had told me very clearly to turn around and look at the person 
and I didn't listen to my intuition. I ignored it. And the person came up behind me, pushed me down, stole my, my purse and ran off. And so having had that experience allowed me to go, okay, just a second here. If I don't listen to my intuition, here's the result of that. And so learning to really trust my intuition and notice, is it my intuition that's telling me to be cautious or is it my fear of what might happen? Right? Because the, both of them are different. Sometimes there's our intuition and then sometimes there's that, okay, I think something's gonna, bad's going to happen and I think, you know, and our brain goes into that real. And so learning to recognize the difference between the two and, and for me, what I've noticed for myself or in my own healing practice, I've taught trauma-focused healing workshops for since uh, about 2013, is um, just really slowing it down to that breath and really recognizing what is uh, what still needs to be addressed. You know, you actually pointed a very good uh, situation because, uh, yes, we have a fear of something happening, but we have to get the lesson. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened uh, without reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you that day what happened to me in the, I had this feeling that my car is not tuned. Oh. You can't believe it. I have it in my mind. Oh, my car is not tuned. Why is like I'm moving? not i have to go and check up my car you know i had this in my mind and then when this man uh, ran to me he said exactly the same thing he said your car is not tuned and you see wow. i had this intuition intuition in my mind that yeah. is not something wrong and then uh that's why i uh, I had my window open and I, I asked him what happened. And before I do something else, then I had a knife, his knife uh, in front of my eyes. Mm -hmm. But that's what I realized. Uh, yes, you have to trust yourself because when you are open to what is going to happen in future, your spirit knows yeah you follow your spirit it goes so what happened later i get the lesson and then uh from those two accidents that i had hmm. uh, when uh, one day i was going uh, back to my parents another country iran and i was in dubai airport and uh, then uh, i went to washroom come back my passport was not there uh, I lost my passport. And then I said, okay, don't panic. You have two choices. Just panic, like, oh, what should I do, blah, blah, blah. Then go to the, before going to the washroom, I was saying, why there is a police station inside the, the, inside the airport? Maybe something bad happened to somebody. <laughs> you know, I never thought about this police station. But that day, <laughs> specifically, I thought about it before going to washroom. And then... I went to police station oh, and I said, okay, I can see my password in front of me. It's, uh, it's here in, in my hand. <laughs> so I then uh, I went to the police station and I said, uh, is my passport here? They want to tease me. I said, no, why did you lose your passport? Blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, they gave me the passport. Somebody, hmm. I was so lucky. Somebody just gave it to 
uh, to them because yeah. I found in washroom but that's that in this case i just realized there are lots of things happening to you uh, just telling you about your intuition as you say as you said so you have to learn the lesson how to trust yourself yeah and yeah something happened to you stop panicking just open your, your mind and just leave it leave everything to your god or whatever yeah. it's free yeah. and then the best thing happened out of it yeah one of the things i reference in my book is to you know you check in with yourself and notice is there actually a lion chasing me or is it i'm afraid that there might be a lion and to start to notice because our mind is so tricky and our mind will hook us into fears that aren't present now, the thing is, though, is what I've noticed is that those triggers also help us to recognize what healing work we have to do. You asked me at the beginning, how can trauma be medicine? Uh, and that's a big part of the story for myself and a big part of the journey is that after about 10 years, um, after my mother had been murdered, I recognized that the person representing my biggest fear was the person who had killed her and he was dead so to me i thought what what does he have to do with me you know he's he's dead he's um you know how does this have any meaning for me why does this matter he doesn't have any power to do it again because exactly exactly but i still when i brought my awareness into my body and really felt where that energy was hanging out in my body i couldn't deny the fact that i had unresolved issues with this man and that i still had to direct my own anger i had to to tend to my own sense of victimization and express any of the energy that he had caused, the harm he had caused in my life, which I had never done up until that point. And, and so I created my own process, and this is also what the book is about, is how do we create our own processes to metabolize trauma, where I talked to him once a week for about an hour and a half over the course of nine months. So I created my own my own ceremony where I felt connected to my relationship with God and um, so that I could be in the most highest part of myself to have these conversations. And something, two things happened. One of the things that happened that was totally unexpected is that after a couple of months, I had a vision of compassion. And you know, this guy, he had been out of prison for only six days before my mother was murdered. He had grown up in the system. He was First Nations. He came from um, uh, folks who had gone to residential schools. He came from a legacy actually of trauma himself, much of which I didn't know at that time. I just knew that I had to express how the, the anger that I had inside of me. And on this one day, I had this vision of compassion where I saw him as my child. And it was completely unexpected. I wasn't planning on compassion. All I was planning for was to get angry. And so I almost felt like uh, compassion hijacked my experience initially. 
And yet it was such a beautiful experience of compassion where I recognized that just because he killed my mother didn't actually make him less than I was. It didn't mean that he was evil. It, it did mean that he created an evil act, yes, that caused harm, yes, that he needed to be responsible for. But all of a sudden I started to wonder who he was, where he came from, and why he had come to be the person in the parkade that day. What, what circumstances had come to pass in his life that had meant that he was, you know, at 8.15 in the morning on December 7th, 1995, he was in this tiny parking garage that only hold, held about 10 cars and, to, and accosted my mother. And so that led me on a really strong journey where I, I actually connected with the First Nation um, band that he came from. I was appointed to work with a former chief who taught me a lot about the history of, uh, he was from Satellite Cree Nation. And so as I started to come full circle in my process and follow this, this desire for what is the collective meaning of my mother's death, um, that, that experience of listening to the voice of compassion is what started to develop this sense of medicine, if you will, inside of me. And, and I'm, you know, I'm condensing a, a 10, 25 year experience into a 10 minutes, uh, you know, but I think it's possible when we go deeper and deeper into the energy that's showing up in our bodies and listen to it, we can actually follow it towards whatever our own greater calling is, trusting that even if those experiences are really difficult, they still have some of the, the maybe the greatest teachings that we can receive in our human lives. Can I add something here? Do you want to hear the rest of the Maya story? Yes, yes, I do. Of course I do. Please. So you, you think that, okay, he robbed my car, that's it. But what happened? I like the idea about the compassion because I said, let's do something differently. I can sit there and I can uh, hate him mm. because he robbed the car uh, and uh, hit me so badly. Mm. But on the other hand, I can be more compassionate. So I feel all the noises around me, everybody talking and I sit because I couldn't uh, go anywhere. I had a really bad back injury. Mm. So I sit there and I try to visualize him and I could see him that he is running with the car. He even didn't change the gears. I could feel it. I could see mm. it. And then uh, I told him, why this happened to you? Why, why, why is you have so rush? Why, what is this rush for? And then I, I was not I was not, I didn't hit, hate him. Yeah. I came home. I mean, I went to hospital checkup and I had back injury, I, but I didn't hospitalize in the hospital because my mom was a nurse. So I came back home and uh, with all the pain that I have for six months, I couldn't walk. I couldn't oh my goodness. properly yeah. see it's very bad, but uh, instead of hating, because if you hate somebody, you keep all the energy inside you and it doesn't, that's the point of uh, healing with the medicine. It doesn't help you 
uh, heal because you still have those negative energies. So I let it go and I talked to him and visualize him. And I said, if this car is for me, it's gonna back to me. It's gonna get back to me. I, I will be blessed. And if it's not, that's fine. I just let hmm. it go. He called or, or, uh, or home. Can you believe this? Because wow. my, cell phone, my cell phone was in the car and he called, uh, he called the cell home. My mom uh, picked up the phone. My mom was a nurse that time. And he, he was crying and he said, I don't know what your daughter did to me. I can't do this. <laughs> I can I can sell this car or can do anything. I'm gonna return it. Wow. I really have a very bad feeling. So he returned the car. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, that's the I just really felt that we as human uh do some of the things when when we have a difficult situation, unexpected situation, and trauma happen when yeah. we are not expecting. Uh, we have two choices, just go and have a fear, hate the situation, hate the people that did it to us. But then we have uh, another side of it, mm. calm down, live it, and just try to heal with, I'm not saying love him <laughs> or give a lot of positive energy, you know, because when you are tired and your body is exhausted, you are in pain, it's very difficult mm. uh, to, uh, to be like that. Yeah. But you can, you can help yourself at least. You don't need to keep those negative energy inside you. Yeah, what a, what a beautiful story. What a yeah. powerful story. I feel a lot of similarities in our stories too. Yes. Uh, and, and, and don't you notice that when that negative energy comes up, I find it important, sometimes it needs to have a voice. And this is something I've often done in programs. Like I knew for me, I was really reluctant to acknowledge that I had any negative energy. Uh, you know, I thought, what was the point of being angry? You know, he was dead, my mom was dead. What was the point of being angry? Uh, and yet after about 10 years, I felt this anger inside of me. And so I created a safe space where I could use my visualization and I could get angry at him. And then when I was done, I was done. Now I had to do that quite a few times. However, I could feel when it was complete in my body. And that was when there was more space for compassion is that when that anger came through me and when I acknowledged that I had also gone through an experience where I was helpless, you know, where I was victimized, even if I didn't like the word victim, you know, I had been victimized. And so to step out of it, it needed that acknowledgement. And then I was free to come more into a place of compassion. And that, that happened naturally without even planning it, right? As I said to you, initially I felt like, what are you doing here, compassion? I wanted to be mad. <laughs> However, as I had expressed the anger, naturally in my heart, there was room for compassion and it seemed to be an organic part of the process. Exactly. And the, the thing is, when you experience this once, when the second time happened, you have a better idea of how to confront. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, with the second one that people attack me, 
I was numb. I couldn't hate or anything. Like mm -hmm. uh, they robbed the um, ballot and I called them. Uh, oh, what happened? They called me with the mobile. And I, I, I saw the number. Uh, what, what did I? Oh, no, I called my mobile. I called my mobile. The mobile with, uh, was with them. Huh? And, then, and then what happened? They took the, to put up the phone and I said, I know you have my mobile. That's fine. You take, I have only, I was a student that time. I only have $20 inside my bag. One <laughs> of my cards really useful for you because it's going to be canceled today. So you can't use anything. So just, just leave it somewhere. I take my cards and wallet. You take my phone or whatever you want, which is thinking, which you think that is valuable. And then they, uh, I found, I mean, the police found my wallet, um, like in one, two streets. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't lose anything actually. Only my uh, mobile was that time was not in, nothing. So <laughs> that's that's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. Like, next time when this happened, I was like, okay, I was laughing, even if they hit me, uh, punch me on the face, and they said first I was I was thinking. First, I have to change my mind. I have to change something in me because I have all the fears still right. in me. Somebody's going to follow me. Come on. Who's going to follow you? Right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. It's true. That's the biggest piece, right? And that's even in raising my daughters. I have um, twin girls who are 21, and I also have stepdaughters that are uh, 29 and 34. So even at parenting them having those conversations about how to how to be smart about where you're walking and when and yet not to be walking with fear not to be you know and and so much of that don't you find is listening to your intuition listening to whatever the wisdom inside of your own um being is telling you and letting that inspire the decisions you make rather than going into oh i can't do that because this might happen or that might happen or you know there's many times that i'll feel somebody walking behind me or on the other side of the street for me all i do if i need to is just turn around and look at them and eye contact is a game changer you yeah. know and and you know and and most of the time they'll just cross and go to the other side of the street or um it's when we have that attitude of fear and start walking faster which is what yes, i had when i was attacked. you attract the negative energy this way <laughs> exactly it takes yeah. on a force of its own right it really does so we have a few seconds break and then we come back to your book i really wish to know about your book okay Please subscribe to Panta Kalhor Transition Channel and order my book, Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams. So, when do you publish it? When is available? How they can purchase it? And then tell me about your website. Okay, yeah, the beginning of your question um, cut out. Pantia, can you repeat that for me? Yes, I said, uh, please tell me about your book. When are you going to publish it? And what is your website? Oh, what absolutely. 
Yeah, so it's just been published with Friesen Press. And so you can buy it either on my website, which is sarahsalterkelly.com, or you can buy it through Friesen Press. It's been officially published for two months now, but it takes them a while with their first printing. So I don't even have one in my hands yet. I still have my, you know, my um, a PDF <laughs> copy. Uh, yeah, what's really exciting about it is that I found in my own process that, that I couldn't find much support in how I could find steps or tools to heal myself. So what's exciting is that I've mapped out a bit of a journey for the reader where I'm applying the template from mom's homicide. And, you know, I talk about tending the victim self. I talk about moving into the underworld of our trauma, how to face fear, how to metabolize, inclusive of journal exercises, questions, meditations, and even ceremonies or rituals. They can help to give us an embodied experience um, creating our own prayers, learning how to really be with whatever is present in our bodies and and allow it to move through us. So thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of similarities in our stories. <laughs> Yours was... Uh, much worse because it's very difficult to lose a mother mm -hmm. uh, with that tragedy. But as you said, uh, yeah, I know, I know why you said trauma can be medicine. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me, Pantia. And I'm, I'm so excited with what you've created with your channel. So I'm looking forward to following you more and, um, and sharing this, what you're doing. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. See you yeah. Again. Thank Bye. you. <laughs>